0: see of the goodness of God I will see of the goodness of God and I will see of the goodness of God father in heaven we just want to say thank you God, thank You for the opportunity to come and to worship and sing. Lord, we understand that what we do right now does not make sense to the rest of the world. God, I can remember a time when I had not given myself to you where I remember thinking that so many things that Christians did and things that were done in church just did not make sense. And it seemed so weird and so awkward. Father, anyone who knows you has put their faith in you understand what it's like to be touched in a moment for your spirit to just work and move in us and inspire us to do things that are abnormal and God you have called us out of this world you have not called us to be like everyone else but God you've called us away you've called us to holiness God, You've called us to be separate. Jesus, as we come before You today, we, we realize so easily that we're not worthy to be here. We're not worthy to stand in front of You and sing these songs. But God, You have given us a gift through Your Son, Jesus, to be able to sing and to use our voice as a weapon against our enemy. And God has not fought with swords or bows or spears or guns and knives today. But God, the more is fought through spiritual things, through prayer and scripture and submission and the singing of songs. Jesus, we just want to offer ourselves to you this morning. Lord, as we come together, we, like we always do, we pray for our brothers and sisters who aren't here. Lord, there's so many of our church body who are hurting and suffering with physical things and spiritual things. Lord, we lift them up to you today. God, we pray for Houston Price this morning. I just ask that you would touch him through that situation. God, we pray for the families of the car victims this past week. Lord, I know that most of us in here may not have thought about it as much this past week. But Lord, those families are getting up every day with the hurt and the pain Is As hard as it was from the moment they heard it. And there's going to be a hole in their lives as long as they live. So Father, we pray that you would fill that hole because only you can. God, we're so thankful that you are a God that gives us the promise and the and the hope of looking to eternity. To know that no matter what happens in this life, what happens in this world, no matter how bad it can be, that we still have something better to look forward to. God, that is a wonderful thing the rest of the world doesn't have. Lord, it is what gives us the strength to overcome and to deal with things like death and hurt and pain. And when we read passages that the apostles wrote where they talk about consider it pure joy when we suffer. They were joyful because they had something better to look forward to. That no matter how good this life is, there's still something better on the other side. God, help us to be mindful of that. Help us to remember that you are a God who loves us and cares for us and wants us to be in eternity with you. Jesus, we love you today. We thank you for this time. And in the next moments as we read, as we talk, and as we listen, I pray that you would speak into our hearts in new and mighty ways. We love you today. We thank you. We ask all this in Jesus' precious and holy name, and all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Today we are starting our new series, and uh, we're talking about how we're more than animals. And it's kind of an odd topic, but I think it's important to, to know that the world has a lot of things to say about us as humans, where we came from, how we got to where we are, where we're going. We'll talk about a lot of that things in in sermons to come. But today, I really want us to take a look and a focus at passages of Scripture that really talk about how important we are to God, how much He values us, how much He cherishes us. And and as we talk about the, the amazing value and importance that God places on us as human beings, this sermon is not meant to toot our horns or make us leave this place this morning with a puffed-up chest, but really it's about humbling us and reminding us of who God is, of what He's done for us, what He has already done in us, and what He still wants to do in us. And everything that's been done has been for us. And I think a lot of times we miss that because our value doesn't just remind it's not just it doesn't just line what we have to offer. You know like we live in a world where we place importance and value on so many other things, and as we serve a God who has created each and every single one of us uniquely and differently for a specific reason who values you so much, it should not be a surprise that Satan would come and whisper in your ear and tell you that you're not valuable, that you're not important, that you're not capable, that you're not smart, that you're not, not good-looking, or, or whatever it may be, that he's not going to come and he's not going to whisper things in your heart and mind to make you question the value that you have in the eyes of God. And again, it's not... To, to build us up. This is not a make you feel good sermon just so you can go out here like, I feel a lot better today. I feel like I'm important now. That's not what it's about. But it's about the realization of how much value God places on each and every single one of us as individuals and what that means for us. Because when, when value is placed on something, there's expectations that come along with that value, Right? If you pay a high price for something, you expect it to do what it was supposed to do, right? Like you pay for it, it better be the way that you want it to be. And that's one of the common things you see in our culture. It's like most people don't mind paying the money for something as long as it's what it's supposed to be. But we get really mad whenever we pay money for something and it's not what they said it was going to be. And God places a huge value on our lives. He loves us. He bled and died for us. All things exist for our benefit. And it's important that we realize and understand that this morning. And it's really important to understand that as fearfully and wonderfully as you are made in the eyes of God. And the psalmist wrote it, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. As fearfully and wonderfully as you are made in the eyes of God that God is still making you. That although you have been born, you have been created as a person, you have a soul. And that God places a huge value in your life on you as an individual, that He bled and died for you to understand that He is still making you. That God has called you to follow Him because God knows that you can be more through Him. And it's not about pride because the truth is, none of us are worthy. None of us are worthy to stand before God. We don't deserve. We don't deserve Christ. We don't deserve God. But because of God, we can have access to Him because He wants us to. Because of God, we can have access to eternity that He's created for us. And because of God, we can be what He's called us to be because He's made the way for us to get there. To understand that God is still making us, so we are fearfully and wonderfully being made. Ephesians chapter one verses four through eleven, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and he talks a little bit about this. He says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now before he made the world, God chose you to be holy and without fault. That's a big demand, right? Anybody meet that yet? But that's what He wants from us. That's what He created us for. Verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. Write that one down. Put that one on your mirror that you look at every morning and memorize that verse. God wanted to bring you to Himself. It gave Him great pleasure to do it. It gave Him great pleasure to be born as a human being to suffer and bleed and die for you so that you could be brought to Him and be connected with Him. You need to remind yourself of that. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He has purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, Because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for He chose us in advance, and He makes everything work out according to His plan. And let's skip to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Point number one. We are the crown of God's creation. If you ever question where you stand in the pecking order of things, in the pecking order of eternity and existence, you need to realize that you, as people, are the most important thing to God of everything else that exists in all of creation. And that's not to toot your horn. That's to help you come to realization in terms of how valuable you are to God. Right? Right? How do you value something? What are things actually worth? What someone's willing to pay for it, right? When you look at what Christ was willing to pay for you, what Paul talked about in Ephesians chapter 1, and the price that Christ paid for you, Jesus Christ gave all for you and I. So in essence, he places the value on us by saying that what we are worth. You ever heard the term that one man's junk is another man's treasure? It's like, you may feel like junk, other people might say that you're junk, but you need to understand that Christ paid a very, very high price for you. And if you, you think about collecting it, and you go into like just the idea of placing value on things and the understanding that stuff is only worth what some people want to pay for it. And you look at like, I'm, I'm, I've am i always been big into baseball stuff. And so you think about baseball stuff, and, and there was a guy back in the 90s paid like over a million dollars for a baseball card, and people thought he was crazy because he was willing to pay a million dollars for his card. It was the most money that anybody had ever paid for a card at the time, and today the guy's still living. And now he's been offered like 30 and 40, 50 times what the card was paid for in the beginning. Because he set the value of the card by what he was willing to pay for it. And then people understood that this was rare because you can't get it anymore. There was only one of them, and he bought it. And so now it's worth just what the next person's willing to pay for it. But Christ set your value when he stepped down off of his throne to come and to be born, to bleed, and to die for your sins. He gave all for you, and you are worth everything to him. Does that make sense? But here's the kicker. Your value only comes to fruition when you accept what Christ paid for you. When you accept the gift that He paid for your soul to have eternity, that's when your true value sets in. Because anybody in here who's got any kind of baseball cards knows you might have a few cards that are worth some money but there's probably a thousand cards sitting in a box somewhere that's worth absolutely nothing. And you could throw them away and never miss a dime. Nobody would ever want them. And you know this because as people, unless you're a hoarder, whenever something gets to the point where it doesn't have value anymore and you're not using it anymore, what do you do with it? You get rid of it. You send it to faith home, goodwill. You throw it in the trash. You give it to somebody because you don't want it anymore. And make no mistake about it, God is not in the business of hoarding. God is not just keeping things around, people around who are not of value. If we refuse to accept Christ and accept the price that He paid for us, then we lose our value because we are not becoming what Christ originally created us to be. So when we accept Christ in our life, all of a sudden we have this amazing value because God set the standard of what He was willing to pay, which was everything for you. And when we realize our value, when we realize that we are the the crown of God's creation, His masterpiece, it changes everything about how we go about our lives and how we live and how we serve and what we're willing to do in the name of Jesus and what we're willing to give up in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Because it's not easy. And that's why a lot of people who claim Christ don't do everything that He calls them to do. Because they don't understand the value and the importance of the price that was paid for them. And if you go through Scripture, and you start digging through Scripture, you realize and understand that the... the communication of the value of human beings in the eyes of God is affirmed over and over and over again. You look at Genesis 1 and 2. Mankind, the crown of God's creation. Everything that was created, that we look at through the creation story, was created for the benefit and purpose of man and woman. And it wasn't just done in creation, It was done even after our sin. So even after we sin and after we fall from grace and after we are kicked out of the garden and we're sent out and we're punished, things change, but we are still in authority and rule over everything else that exists. And you look at the very first thing, God took animals and used their skin to make clothing for Adam and Eve after they realized they were naked. Everything under creation was meant for the benefit of you and I. Even Jesus talks about the worth of people in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 29 through 31. He says, What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your Father knowing it. As you need to understand, it's not that all of creation doesn't have value to God, because it very much does. All of creation has value to God. But what you need to realize is is that if God cares enough for one sparrow, if one sparrow falls to the ground and God realizes it, Jesus is communicating how much more valuable are you? Because in verse 30 he says, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. And so whether you don't have hardly any hair, you have a head full of hair. It's all numbered. God loves you and cares about you so much that there's nothing about you That he does not know, that he does not have account for, that he is not keeping up with in your life. And if we're so valuable to God, we should not be shocked that Satan is constantly whispering in your heart, in your mind, and in your ear that you don't matter. Nobody cares about you, what you're going through. Nobody cares what you're dealing with. Nobody cares. It's not important. You don't mean anything. When in essence, God constantly communicates in Scripture the very opposite of you are valuable to Him. Not only are you more valuable than all of creation, but He was willing to give Himself to have you. So don't be afraid, for you are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And it's not a matter of God doesn't value anything else. It's just the simple fact that God values us so much more than everything else. And all things were created for our benefit so that we can glorify God. So, so now, now think about that for a second, because I don't, I don't want you to get the idea that God, God created all this specifically for us, because as people, you know, I'm pretty big on stewardship. We just talked about it for nine weeks, and it's really important for us to understand that we have a responsibility to steward what God has given us, and make no mistake about it. Everything that exists, it is our responsibility to bring glory to God through it. And so, Scripture says that people have no excuse whatsoever. They can look at nature, and they can see God's existence through nature. Everything exists for the glory of God, but everything in creation was meant for our benefit to bring glory to God. And we as people can be good stewards and use everything in creation the way God intended us to do, to bring glory to God, or we can be bad stewards and abuse all those things for our purpose, for our benefit, for our own kingdoms. And the truth is, is we're supposed to be pointing everything back to God. We are more than animals. And as everything in creation exists for the purpose of God, in a similar fashion, everything exists so that we can benefit from them and also point back to God. You look at Romans chapter 8, verses 32 through 34, and Paul writes to the church in Rome says, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave Him up for us all, won't He also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for His own? No one. For God Himself has given us right standing with Himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life, and He is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand Pleading for us. If you question how important you are this morning, you need to understand that just as God created all things for our benefit, for us to to live and survive and have food and shelter and water and all the things of the earth for our benefit as people to bring glory to God, Jesus Christ not only came to bleed and die for you to forgive your sins, to give you the opportunity to be in eternity with our Father but he also sits in the place of honor at God's right hand in this moment, pleading for you. If you don't think that God values you, I don't know what to tell you. Because everything that's been done has been done for us as people. There's a reason why a lot of people struggle with the aspect of not making themselves the center of their own universe. Because if you really look around and you pay attention, it is somewhat deceiving to think that if God doesn't exist, then it would be, we would be the center of the universe. And a lot of people think that. But we need to understand that all of creation points to God. Everything has been done for you and I. God has done everything in His life or in His existence to lead you back to Himself. He loves you. He cares more for you than we could ever possibly think or imagine. And if what He's done on the outside in the world is not enough, let's talk about the insides. Point number two is God is in us. So it's not just a matter of the value that God's placed on you by what He's done. It's a matter of understanding that God has placed the value on you because of what He's put in you. And we cannot ignore the fact that we as people are different from everything else in all of creation. And like we said, scientists and people of the world will say so many other things about how we evolved and we came from this and we're similar to this and all this stuff. But you cannot ignore the fact that we are absolutely 100% different from every other thing that exists in the entire universe. And despite what news articles say, and people say, and politicians say, there is yet to be one shred of evidence to show that there is anything else that exists that's greater than we are as human beings. And that's not to toot our horn. It's explaining Scripture, and it's explaining the importance that God placed on us as the crown of His creation. Everything that He's done... He's done for you and I to have a relationship with Him and to be joined with Him in eternity. It's important that we understand that. Because if that is the most important thing, that's what we should be centering our entire life around, is the most important thing, to be reunited with God in eternity. And everything He's done has set that up. And you look at it from the the very existence of who we are as people, we look different. We look different from every other thing in the world. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. You and I were made to be like God. We're supposed to look like Him. We're supposed to represent Him. And that's the reason why as a believer in Christ, what you do And how people see you is the most powerful testimony that you could ever give. It's not about what you say, it's more about what you do. Because you represent, you are the visible image of God as believers in Christ. You're standing in for Jesus as before He returns. You are standing in to show people who God is by the way that you live and the way that you act. We're the visible image of God. We're made to be like God. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scrail on the ground. Not only did God create us to be like Him, but He also gave us rule and authority like Him. You and I have the ability to rule over things and to make decisions and do stuff that animals and other things can never do. <clears throat> There's a certain amount of power and authority that mankind has and it's not just displayed in what you can do, but it, I mean, like you, you take it from a simple perspective of good and evil. People can choose to do good or people can choose to do evil. At any given moment in time, as people, we can decide that we don't like a certain animal and we can go start hunting and basically bring the animal to the point of extinction or make it extinct just off of decisions that we make. And we've done that in the past. And at the same time, we have the ability to have enough forethought to say, hey, we've basically depleted this animal. Let's make a little bit of effort to invest in this and create enough habitat and protection over them to bring them back to being fruitful and multiplying. And we've done that because we have enough thought to do it. But if you look at every other living thing on earth, they don't even have the ability to ponder eternity, much less the forethought of planning ahead in advance. Every day, for most animals on earth, it's a fight for water, a fight for food, a fight for shelter, a fight for the right to even procreate. And yet, as people, God has put in our hearts to be so much more than everything else in creation. In Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, Solomon wrote, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. And so to understand this morning that, yes, God values you. Yes, you are made in the image of God. Yes, there's something special and unique about you above all other creation... That you can even ponder the thought of eternity to know that there's something beyond this physical world that nothing else can do that. We still can't see the whole scope because even though we may be like God, we are not God. You talk about the pecking order of things and you want to know where you lie. It's so important for us to understand how valuable we are to God but to also remind yourself constantly that God is above us and that we are His The only reason we have value is because he values us. The only reason you have value is because of the price that he paid for you. And he set the standard of what all of us as individuals are worth. And so before you make your next thought or your next judgment as you're driving down the road and you look at someone else, you look at their life and you look at their situations and you look at their decisions and you look at where they might be in life and the circumstances, be very careful about how you judge and you just remind yourself of this, that God created them in His image and He died for them just like He did for you. And from a worldly perspective, Other people may not look like they have a whole lot of value, but in God's eyes, He gave everything for that person just like He did for you. God looks at things completely different. And He values every single one of us. And this is why salvation is a free gift that anyone can have because the value is not placed on your talents or abilities or what you can do or what you have to offer. But your value simply rests in the fact of, are you willing to accept the gift that Jesus Christ paid for you? And if you can accept that gift, it gives you all of the value in eternity. Because God loves you and He's paid a high price for you. instill the concept of our bodies and being made in the image of God and the, be a, and the ability to be able to think about eternity is not enough. Throughout the week, I, I'm constantly like <clears throat> listening to videos and reading and, and listening to sermons on podcasts just trying to get ideas. <clears throat> I saw a video of this pastor that I follow a pretty good bit. I listen to him on podcasts a lot, but it's Louis Giglio. He's the pastor of Passion City Church in Atlanta. He's a phenomenal speaker. He was doing a conference in Texas, and as he's getting ready to come home, he runs into this guy who introduces himself. And, and the guys, you know, they're just small talking. He's like, Yeah, what are you getting ready to do? He's like, I'm about to go home. I got I gotta preach in a couple weeks. And um, he was doing a sermon on basically the the importance of the human body and how valuable it is. And as he was talking, the guy was like, Oh, well, like, that's cool. I'm a molecular biologist. Like, give me, give me your talk. Tell me what you're gonna. Say? And he's like, oh, I don't know, I'm still working through it. And he's like, well, you've you got to tell him about laminin. And, and the video is hilarious because the guy's like, I have no clue what this is. It's basically a foreign language. He starts saying all these things. And he's talking about how laminin is this adhesion cell molecule that's so important. Basically, you and I would not exist without this. L-A-M-I-N-I-N, laminin. And, and laminin, it, he explained it in layman's terms as this is basically the rebar that you put in concrete to hold it together. If you ever poured concrete, you know like it's going to crack, it's going to come apart eventually. So you put rebar in it to hold it together, to reinforce it, and that's what laminin is. It's this thing in the body that basically holds everything that you are together. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. You're just like, yeah, I realize like I have skin and I have tissue and muscles and tendons and organs and all this stuff. But it's, it's, it's really important that all those things stay together and they stay in the right place. And if you've ever had any kind of issue where you've had like internal organs kind of losing their place and moving around, and you've had to go in and get that stuff tacked up, and, and it, that's when life becomes really hard. Because when stuff starts falling and moving out of place, it's not good. And so laminin is the thing that communicates with the cells and holds them together and tells the other cells what to do. And he said, basically, like, it's the thing that holds everything together. It's like one of the most important things in your body, and none of us knows what it is. I didn't know what it was. Louis Giglio didn't know what it was. He's like, no, like you don't understand. You need to see it. You need to see what this stuff looks like. And so I got a picture for you. That is a diagram of Lannanin. What does it look like? A cross. And you're like, oh, okay, like that's, that's kind of cool. Like Somebody did that. What a coincidence. This is the thing that holds everything together, and it looks like a cross. Look at the, 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 the picture of the actual image from a microscope and see what it looks like. And it actually looks like the image of Christ on the cross. And that's what it actually looks like. (laughs) Now, I think a lot of times we as believers lose or forget or just miss the understanding of the amazing intricacy upon which God used to create you and I. And some people will be like, okay, well, 6,000 years ago when time started, if you believe in in New Earth and you believe according to Scripture, that when God started creating us, he said, oh, we're just going to do this and like, oh, we're going to create lamin and this is going to hold everything together. It just happens to me in shape. Nobody cares what the shape is. And they just make it and it's just coincidental. (laughs) But I believe that we serve a God. Who, as he was creating us, said, you know what? 6,000 years from now, at the time where most people are going to be trying to look for every reason to deny me and reject me and try to say, come up with all these things of (coughs) where we come from or how we got here, I'm going to put something in there that bears my signature so strongly that it just constantly reinforces the fact that I am their creator. And not only did I create them, but I'm in them constantly. And there's nothing that they can do. Even though they reject me, I'm still in them. And my signature and my ownership is still on them. And then you go and you look at Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 15. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Go to verse 17. He existed before anything else and He holds all things together. Do you think it's a coincidence that we serve a God who ordained Scripture to be written about Him, about Him being in all things and Him holding all things together. And the very thing that scientists will say holds you and I together is in the shape of the cross of Christ upon which our eternity hinges on. And as people, as believers, we have to kind of get to this point in our life where we're going to say, okay, are these things coincidence? Am I just here? Like, am I just a coincidence? Am I just like this situation, these circumstances, my life, how I grew up, how I was born, my my life story. Is this just coincidence or has God orchestrated and ordained every aspect of my life because there is something that He's wanting to accomplish in me and through me? Because as long as you don't feel like you have value, and as long as you don't feel like you are special to God and He did not create you for something, you're going to miss it. You're going to chalk it up to coincidence. Not a big deal. Not important. And you're just going to coast your way through life to the best of your ability trying to make it. When in reality, you and I are the crown of God's creation. And everything that's been done, everything that He's done, the price that He paid for you, was because He valued you above everything else. And everything that's been done has been done to get you to eternity with Him. And the simple aspect that He has not only put Himself, He's not only made you in His image, He's not only created you and give you rulership and authority over all things else in creation, But even His own signature is the very thing that holds us together as human beings. The last point you need to see this morning is God is restoring us to our intended glory. It is so important this morning that we realize that you are very valuable to God. But, there's always a but, right? But none of us are where God created us to be. <clears throat> you look at the passage that we read at the beginning from Ephesians chapter 1. God created us to be holy and without fault. That's not us. We, we, we pursue holiness through the name of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, but none of us are holy. We pursue righteousness, but it's not our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. And all of us have fought. But to understand that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, but we are fearfully and wonderfully being made. God is still working in us. God wants to continue to move. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 19-20, which is just following those other verses I read from the previous point, it says, For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ, And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. But it's important to understand as we talk about salvation, that salvation is not just this one time thing where, where Christ created us and then he just left us. He didn't just create us and leave us. He he didn't just save us for it to be done and then that just to be it. But He values us so much that He is still making us. He's still doing work in our lives. And this whole process of being reborn or or rebirth or renewed is something that should continually take place in our hearts. We should want that. And that's why as believers, and I, I hope many of you would be able to testify in here this morning, that even after you've been saved, you can point back to times in your relationship with Christ where He's done something amazing in your life. He's answered a prayer or He spoke to you, or He's convicted you of something since you've been saved, and, and, and it's changed you, and you have a better relationship with Him today than the day that you did get saved. I hope that happens because it should be happening. The work is not finished. The work is still being completed. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, as Paul writes to that church, <coughs> he says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. The work is never done. You and I are sinful people who live in a sinful world. We have fallen from what God has intended us to be. But God's desire is to bring us to where He created us to be. And He sent His Son, Jesus, to buy us back, to redeem us. And through that redemption, He has the ability to clean us and to purify us and to cut away the unnecessary stuff in our life so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and He can bring us And grow us into the men and women He's always intended for us to be. But we have to be humble enough to understand that today. To understand, number one, I'm the most valuable thing in all of existence to my Heavenly Father. And at the same time, to understand I'm not who He's created me to be. But He wants me to get there. And He's created everything possible that I need for me to become what He's always created for me to be, and we have to believe those two things. In First Corinthians chapter six, verses nineteen through twenty, <clears throat> Paul writes to the church and says, "Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who lives in you and was given to you by God?" You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price so you must honor God with your body. Everything about you screams to the value that God has placed on you. He gave everything for you. And even though this body that we have may pass away, And we will go to heaven. We will receive new eternal heavenly bodies. You need to understand that while you live here, God values you. He values your soul, your spirit, but even values your body. And he's created you to be the home, the housing of the Holy Spirit. I've heard so many times people say, oh, you shouldn't say that at church. You shouldn't do that at church. You You shouldn't be that way at church. God's going to strike you alive. And the truth is, <clears throat> everything you've been saying and doing and being Monday through Saturday has already tainted the Spirit of God before you ever got here. And your, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When you talk about value that we should place on things, As much as you value... And I think it's good to have respect for the church, for the building. It's good to have that. But I think it's more important that you have respect for the temple of the Holy Spirit Monday through Saturday before you ever get to church. Because that's going to affect what happens here more than anything. When you talk about the value that God has placed on you... He bled and died for you. He created you. He created everything for your benefit. He created you to bear His image, to look like Him. He created you to act like Him. And then He created your body, which we've defiled with God knows what in our lives. And I include myself in that. But this body that we can use it for sin if we want to, but He created it to house the Holy Spirit because He gifted it to us. Because that's how much He loves us. That's how much He values us in our lives. So as the psalmist wrote in 139 verse 14 about how we are fearfully and wonderfully made, you need to remind yourself of that. And also remind yourself that you are fearfully and wonderfully being made because God is still doing a work in our lives and we should be willingly and we should desire for Him to do that work in our life because we're more than just animals. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this day. Thank You for bringing us together once again. God, I pray that You would remind us so much of how much you love us, how much you care for us, and the price that you put on us. Lord, you set the value 2,000 years ago. We are worth everything. But Lord, I pray we would be humble and that we would submit to you so that you can increase our value. Jesus, we love you today. We thank you so much and ask it all in your name. Amen. You're dismissed.